0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good yeah, well the director from yesterday doesn't think so
1: it stinks you sorry you waste all our film it's so bad
0: not a huge haul of new movies this week but definitely some interesting things to talk about and we'll do that I'm glad you're going to talk about them With us, welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with the latest from M. Night Shyamalan. While vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. This is Knock at the Cabin.
1: We're not here to hurt you, but you have to stay here in the cabin with us. Families throughout history have been chosen to make this decision. Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse.
0: We're not sacrificing anyone.
1: For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die.
2: It's really happening. Speedrun, you? close your eyes. Will you make a choice?
0: Well, the first thing, for better or worse, that people think of when you say M. Night Shyamalan, ooh, twist ending. Right. And he's had some good ones. But don't get your hopes up for that because he's adapting with two other writers and then directing. He's adapting a novel. So mm-hmm. he did not come up with the ending to this. So don't don't expect that. That, And I think if your expectations for that are tempered, you will enjoy this movie more.
2: I think so, too. And we were talking about this earlier that it, it really would have felt maybe disrespectful to To add one to have a twist ending for this film because and it but it it is a very straightforward very thriller yeah given given the the uh the filmmaker and and really well made uh you've got uh you've got a, a family who's just the they're out on vacation the little girls out in the front yard playing her two dads are on the back porch kind of talking chatting and this massive figure, <laughs> Dave right? Bautista. Dave Bautista shows up, and I and if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the scene, and um, the little girl could not be any cuter.
0: Oh my God, that little girl. <clears throat> Her name is Kristen Quee. And her character's name is Wen, and she's only done, according to IMDb, she's only done a music video. She is so cute,
2: and she's so good. And that she scene, is that yeah. scene tells you all. She's just very straightforward. She's very inquisitive. She's not. She's a know. little scared.
0: Like, who are you? Uh, you're. I'm not supposed to talk to strangers, but that she's she's letting him in a little bit, and he's very gentle. That's it. that's the thing. His he's entire good the whole he film. Is. He Dave, is Bautista, so good. Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista is showing his acting chops, yeah. uh, especially here. He's kind of been building up to this, mm-hmm. I think. But um, and his character, regardless of his size, it's a nice contrast for the character because he's huge. Mm-hmm. He's intimidating. Mm-hmm. But throughout this entire movie, his character is very, very gentle mm-hmm. and trying to be reassuring, even though he has some very tough news to mm-hmm. to break to this family.
2: Yeah. Uh, the whole cast is really good, actually.
0: Yeah. We should mention the parents. Uh, the two that Ben Aldridge uh, plays Andrew, who you have just seen in um, spoiler, alert. spoiler alert. And then Jonathan Groff. Uh, plays Eric. And Jonathan Groff, to me, will always be King George in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Just great. Of course, he was a voice in Frozen, has done plenty of other things, but he's always King George in Hamilton. <laughs> and so they are the two dads. And uh, yeah, this group led by Dave Bautista, but also Rupert uh, Rupert Grint, Rupert Gr- Grint from uh, Harry Potter, Nikki Amuka Bird, and Abby Quinn. There's four of them. And they come in and they deliver the news that, yeah, the, the apocalypse is coming and it can only be stopped by your family. It's like this this group of four can't do it for them. The only way it's going to work is if the family amongst themselves decides who is going to be sacrificed and then they actually do it. Right. That's the only way.
2: And, uh, and as you might imagine, you know, if this were to happen to you. And that's one of the things I think it has going for it is that it, it is it is a little bit plausible. The The family clearly assumes that these people are insane right and and given that the the that the family is well they have a history with of being targeted as we realize uh for being uh you know a, a same-sex couple they assume that they're being targeted mm-hmm. and um, I think that it makes an interesting type of of tension in the cabin and uh because it, it's it's less if it were um, uh, any other family, it might just be like tears and you're insane and why you're doing this. But, you know, especially uh, the one dad, very level headed, taking this apart, picking this apart. And he's also they let you know at some point he's a he's an attorney. Mm-hmm. And so that's what civil he would rights do, attorney, a yeah. civil rights <clears> attorney. <throat> so that's what he would do. He would be able to see all of the errors and what you're saying. He'd be able to, like, throw things back at you. And I thought that that was it made for an interesting an, an additional level to the anxiety because, he he has a counter-argument for everything they're saying. It's not just, you people are crazy.
0: Not only that, but in the case of one of these four intruders, he thinks there's a very specific reason why they are targeting him. Yeah, and I won't yeah. say anything more about that, but he thinks there's a real... He has, he has more reason to think um, that they specifically are targeting this couple and this family. And also, in Jonathan Groff's character, he eventually becomes... Again, without spoiling, he eventually becomes an unreliable—not narrator, but an unreliable—you know—personality. I guess about the way he's thinking about things is—is is he thinking with a level head, with a with a, a clear head? Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And that and that throws a monkey in the wrench. So it becomes as it's tense, and it's a it's a mystery of sorts, uh, sorting out what's really going on here. But it's also little little mini-character studies mm-hmm. of all these different personalities. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating and is well put together and well acted. And I tried to, maybe this is on me because it's M. Night, I guess, I tried to think ahead, like, okay, what are they really talking about here? And at various points in the film, I'm thinking, okay, this is about things like um, QAnon and and groupthink and how watching the news, because the news plays a big part in mm-hmm. here. They keep turning on the TV and the four use news reports to try to bolster their argument about the the fact that they're telling the truth. And I thought, OK, we're making a comment on how people can take anything that they see in the news or on the online. They bring up online a lot in this movie, too, and use it as as a support for their argument they can twist it any certain way to think see see
2: that's exactly what I'm saying but that's not really where it goes no it really isn't and and at first I thought that having the family uh, be um, same-sex parents was primarily about that the the targeting idea which Mm -hmm. I thought was a great idea because it does elevate the the tension and the sort of logic it gives it more of a grounding but it, it, actually and I'm not going to explain why I think this because it no, does take something away but yeah. but in the end it is I think um from a from a Christian perspective it is an even more powerful um d- decision that 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 well the writer yeah. of, the novelist made in yeah in, very uh, much so. establishing and we, were, we were
0: talking about this earlier and it is a very good point and I wish you could elaborate on it but you can't because no. it's too much of a, a spoiler but uh, it does. It's it's a it's a Christian. Well, obviously when you say avoid the apocalypse, that gives you a, an intro into a Christian sort of belief. But they get deeper. I mean not
2: necessarily, but but, but and 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 it's funny because a lot of times I get very I find um, a Christian sort of backbone to horror in particular, not that that's what this is, tiresome. I'm mm-hmm. tired of it. But I do think that they wield it well here.
0: They do, especially when you talk, start talking about sacrifice mm-hmm. and sacrificing for because that's what they're asking for they're asking for one sacrifice for all of mankind yeah now who does that make mm-hmm. you think of yeah. obviously um, so it, it it is it's it's an impressive movie it's certainly better than you look at M Knight and he's been he's been up and down yeah, he's hit after, or miss. after that really dry period he was he's been up and down now old was it old the last one Yeah not too good no uh, this is much better than that.
2: Split was very good. What was the bad one after Glass. Split? Glass was Glass. not good. I think I liked
0: Glass a little bit better than yeah. Split was fantastic. Split
2: was. Yeah. That was his first. Well, we both liked um, the one with the grandparents. Oh, yeah,
0: The Visit. The Visit. Yeah, that was really his first His first uptick after some, some bad yeah, ones. Yeah, some bad. But this one, I think, is a big improvement on old. Yes. Uh, big improvement on old. And, uh, and, and well done. And another step in Dave Bautista's uh, resume yeah. as an actor. I mean, his size is always going to come into play. And they do, of course, they have the characters make reference to Mm -hmm. it because you have to. It's like The Rock being in in, in a normal, non-superhero type role. If this guy just came upon you, you're going to comment on his side. So they do, Mm -hmm. and you get that out of the way. And, you know, toward the end, I will say there were a couple of actions that were a bit illogical. but, But on the whole, as long as you don't mind it being so straightforward, because I guess that's the thing. My biggest knock on it was it was so straightforward. I was guess hope maybe expecting and hoping for a little bit, a little bit more. But
2: but it's but it's fine. I also you know what I want to throw in one more thing. Rupert Grint does a very good job. He does. He really does. Now I haven't seen everything he's been in since the Harry Potters, and you know he's uh, you can't hold. I suppose that he was a kid when he made the Harry Potters, and he wasn't very good. Um, but he's. He's very good, and he's doing something that we were talking about is very hard. Yeah, I always say we both always say British actors seem to do American accents better than vice versa. But everybody struggles with a New England accent, right? Americans Except and British alike. Ben Affleck and Matt ex- Damon. Right, unless you are <laughs> from New England, yeah. and I'm not saying he does a spot on New England, but he doesn't. He doesn't slaughter bad. it. No, yeah. he does. And then and that's just a, a minor part of it. He does a good job. It's yeah. a good. It's a good character for yeah. him. Angry, heartbreaking. He's very good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good cast. Tense. But uh, as long as you don't expect anything, some whopper at the end, even even uh, we waited to see if there was a stinger, there's not. Now, speaking of the ending, we should say, if you have read the book, if you are a fan of the book, you will notice the ending has been changed in a pretty drastic way. Now, from what we've been able to to gather... Because we
2: did not read the book. We
0: did not read the book, but uh, read the synopsis, and then, of course, we know the ending of the movie. And from what we understand, M. Night did reach out to the author of the book and got... It seems like he got his blessing.
2: It's a big change. It is a big change. I feel like if you are a big fan of the book, I, I, I'm not sure how well it's going to sit.
0: I'll be honest. I think I would have liked the book's ending better. Um I'm not sure. I thought,
2: I thought the way the film ended was... had Had a real grace and beauty about it. Mm-hmm. But... I think I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, don't we have wanna, to read the book to yeah, know for sure. We
0: don't want to spoil anything, but just know if you're a fan of the book, there's going to be a much different ending. And, and so, so let us know, by the way, let us know how it sits for you. It certainly hits differently than the book, but it's very straightforward and in the end, a story well told. And that's in theaters now, Knock at the Cabin. And next up, a comedy comedy a group of friends make it their lifelong mission to go to the super bowl and meet nfl superstar tom brady 80 for brady aren't you tired of the same
1: old boring lives let's go to the super bowl the super bowl is no place for four old women this could be tom's last one he's almost 40 that's like 80 in people years yeah we're 80 in people years i just really need this trip I can't believe we're actually here. Taking this one. He's cute. So you don't have any tickets? How much for four? Ten thousand. Ten thousand? Well, I have a 20 in my strap-on. That's a fanny pack. If you
0: wear it like this, it's a strap-on. Wow. Yeah, comedy, I'll put a question mark uh, after that, depending on the kind of humor that you like. The biggest draw here and the biggest uh, pleasure in the movie is seeing... These four together, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field. Four, you could call them Hall of Famers. Oh, for sure. um, In this story. And it's based on a real fan club called uh, Over 80 for Brady, and there were more than just four women. But they they get this down to a a group of four who decide that they they think it might be their last chance. You know, they're getting up there in age (laughs) to actually go to the Super Bowl and see the guy they love, Tom Brady. And they take it back to Super Bowl, I think it was 51, when the Patriots, it was that big comeback. Uh, They were down 28-3 to against Atlanta, and they came back and won. So they use plenty of real game film, which is really a plus and a minus for this. Because with Tom Brady in it, Um, not only in archival footage, but actually in it um, toward the end of the movie. And as a producer, of course, the NFL is all on board. So there's no problems with logos or trademarks, licensing, licensing, anything like that. And
2: that is actually pretty uncommon. And very often it's the big drawback for a sports-related film is that they're making up the teams because they have to.
0: Yeah, in this case, if Tom Brady wants to do it, they're going to do it. Of course, yeah. (laughs) That's the kind of cloud he's got. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's a plus and a minus, though, and we'll get into that. But the main thing is you get all these women together, and what are you going to give them? What do they have to work with? Well, the example that I've been using is you've all seen that scene in many TV shows and movies where one character, a pretty tight close-up, is pouring out their heart, pouring out their feelings to another character, and then the camera starts to pan back, and you see that the person that this character is talking to has what? Fallen asleep, fallen asleep and missed it all. Now, if that's funny to you, then you will laugh pretty frequently with this movie. If it's not, then you won't. And it'll yeah, it's just antics, it is and it's antics, lazy antics. Yeah, the, you know,
2: it's like, isn't it funny if an old lady X, whatever you right. want to fill in there, exactly?
0: The good thing is, the good or... thing is, when they decide to go to the Super Bowl, now it's not a typical, it's not a quote unquote road movie, we don't really follow them on their journey, their travels. But once they get there, it falls into the trap of, like you said, antics, yeah. like road movies do. Yeah. What do road movies do? They string together. They find a reason. Being on the road is the reason to string together. Many times, what are a little more than skits. Right. Like Saturday exactly. Night Live skits. Right. And they, they string them together by being on the road. So we move from place to place. And that's what this does. And it's a bit of, surpri- a, bit of a surprise, especially when I see that the writers are Emily Halpern and Sarah has book smart.
2: Book smart. I know, Man. which is the opposite of lazy.
0: Yeah, very smart, very very knowing, and and funny. Mm-hmm. And the director is Kyle Marvin, first time feature, and it it pretty Kinda much shows. shows. It pretty much shows. Unfortunately, it's so sitcom. It's so obvious. You mentioned the the uh, wing eating contest. Sally Field gets to a wing eating contest. Lily Tomlin does well. It's like Papa Shot, except for footballs. Um, then of course the women find their way into the coach's booth. And they go to a, a Super Bowl party. Of course, there's a dance number. Of course, there's a dance number. <laughs> um, and in this big stadium of multi thousands of people, every time they're tur- they tu- turn a corner, there's somebody that they know or somebody that can get them out of the jam that they're in now. Just just madcap sitcom antics for these ladies. And and we mentioned the the film, the NFL film footage footage that they use, and especially toward the end, it's a lot. It's obviously very authentic, which is good, except that when they switch back to showing these ladies sitting in the stands of a game that the actresses were not at the stands for, the difference is so striking. It looks like, oh, now we're at a sitcom a sitcom where we're in some stands, and it just is such a contrast to the authenticity of the NFL Footage, but is that picking nits? Probably, it's a comedy. Do we laugh? No, right. Uh, that's just what it comes down to. But it is, it's a treat to see these four together. Yeah. They're wonderful. They're Hall of Famers. They're icons. Love the fact that they're getting this project, but it just, it just isn't very funny. And that is eighty for Brady in theaters now. Well, let's take a big left turn for this harrowing drama. In a virtuoso solo performance, Academy Award nominee David Strathairn portrays a real-life, reluctant World War II hero and Holocaust witness. This is Remember This. You may consider what I say some ancient, terrible myth.
1: All I can say is that I saw it, and it is the truth.
0: Remembers, remembers.
2: This one's in limited release. Keep an eye out for it if yeah. it comes to you. It is but so. be ready. It is so beautiful, um, and it's a it's 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 fully a one man show. It's David Strathairn, and he plays Jan Karski, who is a Polish was he was a he was a Georgetown professor for many years, but he was a Polish World War II veteran hero, war hero. And toward the he wound up being part of the Polish underground and the underground resistance. And his job was to to witness what was going on and report back. And one of his big jobs, they smuggled him into a death camp. First, they smuggled him into a ghetto so he could see what it was like there. Then they smuggled him into a death camp. They did that because they felt that they needed an eyewitness because they didn't think that the leaders in outside of Poland believed them. Mm-hmm. So they needed him to witness it firsthand and then go tell the leaders of the Allies, if you don't act right now, there will be no Jewish people left in Poland at all. Mm. And one of the things that's so great about the movie is that his approach, uh, Strathairn's approach, is so... Very dialed down. It's not emotional. It's night hop, not hyperbolic, and so you. and be- and it's because he needs to convince people. I'm not exaggerating, right? When he's telling that you know by the t- all the other things that you've he- heard him talk about before, he starts talking about the Holocaust. That he, you believe him? Yeah, you believe him? And um and then one of the things that's so really troubling and sad is that of course they didn't. He talked to all of the leaders, including FDR. And sort of got shushed and pushed out, and of mm. course, you know the the tragic consequence of that. It is a one man show. It, it was originally a stage play, and it got shut down because it was supposed to tour right at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. and so they decided to film it. So mm. the the playwright is one of the directors.
0: Yeah, Derek Goldman. <laughs> Derek Goldman is uh, directs directs with Jeff Hutchins.
2: And Jeff Hutchins is a longtime cinematographer, and I think that that really helps. The it's a it's a black and white film, black and white
0: and striking. Beautiful. Yes, yeah. yes.
2: But the 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 camera movement is really orchestrated, along with the way that the lighting is used, and also Strathern's um, action on stage. I think it it benefits from the intimacy of a stage play, but it never feels stage bound. You feel like he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. That's you feel like he's talking to you, which is very important, and I think that really benefits benefits the film. It's not very long. It is incredibly emotional. There is one. Very brief actual uh, clip of an interview with Karski, which will make you cry. The whole movie will make you cry. Yeah. I balled my eyes out.
0: Well, I wish I also mentioned to the uh, other co-writer is uh, Clark Young. But for, well, first of all, just the setup, the setup for the movie. Number one, if it's a if it's a documentary, I'm watching it. Yeah. If it's a narrative feature a la Schindler's List, mm-hmm. I'm watching it. Mm-hmm the way that they make it so personal yeah. with this and such a great actor as David Strathairn and if, if people have forgotten this is a great reminder he's been he's been fantastic for in decades yeah. and this is such a showcase but to make it such such personal put it in such personal terms it actually reminds me of speaking of schindler's list remember at the end they they say how oscar schindler was only he was just haunted by the ones he couldn't save. Yeah. Regardless of how many he did right. save, it's the ones he couldn't save. Right. And there are some very telling lines in this movie about how he's haunted and he wants it to be right. so. Yeah. He w- needs it to be so. It
2: is. I should say that. It is, it is an incredibly beautifully written film. When I wrote the review, I don't think I've ever... Quoted a film, mm-hmm. a film's dialogue in a review as much in my life. I think I pulled like three complete paragraphs out of it because yeah. it is it is stunningly well written.
0: Yeah, and obviously well, well acted, and and like you mentioned, the cinematography and the the staging, the presentation to make. We talked about this for um, uh, woman talking a little bit when there's so much dialogue, and this is so obviously a play to make it cinematic, to mm-hmm. make your eye move mm-hmm. with it uh, is is not you know it's not to be discounted. No, and a great. A great uh, display of that here, and so look for it. It's in limited release now. Mm-hmm. I would imagine before too long, it'll show up on something. Well, uh,
2: the first place it's going to go is PBS, oh, uh, Masterpiece yeah. Theater, great. and then uh, and then after that, it'll probably be on VOD. They're also going to look for ways to share it with communities after yes. it's already had its theatrical run. In yes. pa- but just keep an eye out for it. Yeah, y- please. You do. need to see it.
0: Please do. And that is called Remember This. <laughs> Next is an action crime thriller. Doc facilitates a fragile truce between the governor. And the cartel, trading prosecutorial leniency for finance. With no more truce, Doc is left to fend for himself and protect the one untainted thing in his life his daughter, Little Dixie. We are going to take on the cartel
1: and win. Can't protect you. you can't protect your family. Look ah! at this. He's not as Kuko, and that means boogeyman. Lay a finger on my kid! I swear to God, I'll kill you. I came here to send a message.
2: <laughs>
1: what the? I'm good at it.
2: What are you gonna do? Anything I have to.
0: Well, this is the latest lead vehicle for Frank Grillo. And it's the latest from writer director John Swab, who we just talked about another his film before about this, a month ago, about a month ago, mm-hmm. which was Candyland, yeah. And he sort of has the same approach here. It's 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 becoming his his uh, M O. And it's not a bad one. It's just like like you talked about Candyland, man. It, it works in in spots, but not quite all the way. And I think this one doesn't work quite as well as Candyland. But um, good to go back a little bit. Yeah, Frank Grillo. Who now is, like I said in the written review, I think we're kind of past that phase of saying, oh, he can carry a movie. He's had a few yeah, leads yeah, now, and he's, he has. he's, he's, he's galvanizing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the character here is pretty familiar, as, as is a lot of the narrative. Uh, but, yeah, he's a kind of a fixer for the governor, governor of Texas, played by Eric Dane. Who has this truce between the you know the, the doc who's uh, Frank Grillo is working for both the governor and the cartel, just making sure okay we all understand each other and we'll we'll have this truce. Well, once the uh, governor gets elected, he starts going rogue and starts to he wants to just go you know all out and bring in and rein in the cartel. Well, that doesn't sit too well with the leader of the cartel or especially his brother Cuco, played by Bo Knapp, who's just a maniac, mm-hmm. and he decides to go. Cross the border from Mexico into Texas and have some payback, and it all starts with kidnapping. He calls her Little Dixie, Doc's daughter, to uh, to get uh, Doc to uh, do something for him uh, against the governor. So that setup is pretty familiar sure. crime filler, and you know you hear plenty of "If you touch my daughter, I swear I'll," you know, yeah, yeah, hear yeah. that a few times. But like he did with Candyland, John Swab throws a firebomb into this whole very familiar narrative with sort of the side plot with the proclivities of Kuko and what he's into and his personality. And it gets into some really seedy territory and about an hour in, there's a scene in a motel room that gets like, Whoa, we have really turned a corner here and this is unsavory, isn't it? And you sort of said the same thing about Candyland.
2: Yeah. I mean, Candyland took the sort of lot lizards, right? Uh the, this group of prostitutes and prostitutes it's a pretty common um territory in in horror films. And what he did with it was uh was very different and I really appreciated a lot of what he was doing. Very humanized we were with them. They were our main characters. Mm-hmm. But he does he took this this uh, this side character and and they do some things with it that I thought was not necessary, really horrifying and i'm not sure it added anything to the overall film. See, that's that's just
0: so so similar to what he's doing here. He's taking a very familiar narrative, crime mm-hmm.
2: thrilling mm-hmm. Thr-
0: crime drama you've seen it a million times and taking this side character and just firebombing it and yeah. just, and and i'm not sure the same like wow, was this necessary? Yeah. And was it necessary to go this ee, yeah. ab- about it? Um i don't know. I i think in the case of this movie it Almost works. And I think if he's going to continue down this road, I I think maybe with a little more seasoning, he'll get there. Right. I, it, I, I mm-hmm. think I, I like what he's trying to do. It may have worked a little better, honestly, in Candyland. I think it did. Yeah. I think it did. Um, and especially when, later on, I'm not going to spoil it, something happens, something very bloody that, that happens. And then, it, to me, how Doc um, reacts to it almost seemed like a parody. It got a little yeah. silly for mm-hmm. me. Um, but... But I don't know, someone else may, may take it differently. But, yeah, I, I think we both agree this guy, John Swab, is, he's might be onto something. Yeah. Just not quite there yet. This is on VOD, his latest called Little Dixie. <laughs> Next up is a horror thriller spotlighting Jess, who moves with her daughter and young son, Owen, back into her old farmhouse. Shortly after settling in, Owen is bitten by a dog, resulting in a mysterious infection from the bite. This is the latest from director Brad Anderson called Blood.
2: What's happening to me? feel different. Is it like a disease? All I know is it's the only thing that's making him better. <laughs> I like it when it's warm. Oh, please, no. We're investigating. Missing person's case.
0: Mom, oh, he's getting worse. I want more? There's something wrong with that tree Mom. I want more? He got inside Owen and it changed him. I want
1: more? Owen! We have to help him. Come on. Are you hungry?
2: I feel like I need to qualify this because I've seen a lot of very positive reviews about this movie and sometimes, sometimes I think I'm not the best set of eyes because if you come in fresh, Maybe you don't have all of Brad Anderson's films already in your head so that you can be disappointed. And maybe you don't have every movie that's ever been made that's exactly like this movie also already in your head. So you're going, why did Brad Anderson make yet another one? There must have been 10 films in the last two years where a mother has to decide what she's willing to do because her young son is a monster. I mean, at least 10. Mm -hmm. And I saw them all. (laughs) And so there's nothing really about this film that is fresh.
0: Brett Anderson, if you don't know, has made some very striking films. The Machinist. Yes. With um, Christian Bale.
2: Session 9, which is one of the spookiest horror movies you're ever going to see.
0: Yeah. Trans- and also Trans- Trans-Siberian. Trans-Siberian. Yeah. yeah. So some some quality films here. So the fact that he's the director right away, we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And the lead is played by Michelle Monaghan.
2: Yeah. And Skeet Ulrich plays her ex-husband. He doesn't have a huge role, but he does a very good job. And actually, all of the performances are good. And we didn't even mention,
0: for longtime fans, his first film was Next Stop Wonderland in 1998, which I know has a lot of fans. Yes.
2: And I think, too, one of the things that I disagree with from a lot of, a lot of reviewers are really all about Michelle Monaghan's performance. Um, And I do like her, and I think she's good. I think she was really great in a movie last year called Nanny. But um, I didn't buy it. Her son needs blood. Right, I'm not giving anything away. If you've seen the trailer, her son needs blood, and so you know she stoops to doing some things that are pretty horrible. And actually, there's a, a scene in the basement. I mean, there's a, a sequence of events that she pretty quickly actually devolves to that I found fascinating. I thought that the interplay between the two ca- actors was fascinating. I thought where where Michelle Monaghan's character went and went so quickly was fascinating. And then the movie. One hundred percent lets her off the hook for doing it. And I thought, no, see, that's what's not fascinating. Like what she did is I mean, the movie absolutely one hundred percent goes, oh, yeah, of course. No, no, no. And I was really I thought that they they came up with a very naughty, complex, horrifying situation. And then there's no like gnawing aftertaste about it, which I thought was really a letdown for me. Um, and also, just that so much of it, because you know, uh, he he just combines a lot of of tropey ideas, and I I'm not sure that he does. Because also, there's a, a, a an underlying thread that about addiction and vampirism, mm-hmm. which is a very long-standing symbol very. for vampirism mm-hmm. across. Yes. So I just don't think any of any of what they did was fresh, except for this one sort of sequence that they resolve in a tidy way that doesn't suit it. Well, we
0: should say for this one, Brad Anderson, he has written his own projects before, not this time. The script here was written by Will Honley. So Brad uh, Brad just directing this mm-hmm. one. So that may have something to do with the don't yeah, know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, sort of like you mentioned, if you're not really well-versed in so many movies that have a very similar theme, um, you know, maybe enjoy it more. Sure. I suppose it'll seem, it'll seem fresher to you.
2: Yeah, but it was, it was a disappointment to me.
0: Yeah, and uh, that is on VOD now called Blood. And a drama thriller next, a tightly scripted world of a vlogger and influencer unravels after she becomes a mother. In noted playwright Bess Walls' feature debut, this is called Baby Ruby. Don't you understand? She's killing me. If you want me to believe that I'm crazy? The
1: mother's instincts never die. Open the door!
2: She's so perfect. I know the truth. Ruby!
0: Well, this one also got it. Well, I got our our attention right because of the title. Yeah. Because we have a, a name, Ruby. Not a baby anymore, though. No. She's growing up. And also, this star is Naomi Merlant, who, if you don't know, she was in Portrait of a Lady on Fire a few years ago. And then this year, she was one of the a very pivotal supporting role in Tar. Yes. She's
2: so good. And she's the lead in this one. And Kit Harrington plays her husband. The two of them are expecting their first child. And it's it's a one of those films. Again, you know, it's it's one that has been done before where becoming a parent is actually... An, a, a horror movie, a yeah. nightmare. And yeah. so, you know, it focuses on a lot of the things that you don't necessarily truly understand, like the bone-deep exhaustion. <laughs> and And you look at the baby, and the baby seems like an alien to you. And there's all these things. And, and also, when you're...
0: Judging yourself against the other parents that you see and you think they're doing such a better such a more of a, a better job than you are
2: which actually suits this film because yes. she's an influencer and a blogger it suits it really really well so I think the filmmaker knows how to write. And so I think that the movie explores topics that aren't incredibly new, but they explores it in a way that are never heavy handed or or inauthentic. Mm-hmm. But the performances are are really excellent. And it's one of those movies that is just going to sort of haunt you.
0: Yeah. And you should say we should say check out the full written review. It is on MadWolf.com by Rachel Willis. Mm hmm. And she she's more she's a more recently became a mother than we did. That's right. So she's a lot more recent to it uh, <laughs> than <laughs> those those sleepless nights uh, and those feelings. But uh, especially if you've been down that road, uh, it will speak to you. It will speak to you about uh, the the changes with parenthood, and especially I suppose with this one motherhood, being as it oh, wr- sure. written and directed by a woman and uh, the main. The main uh, character, again, Naomi Merlant, always great. That is in theaters, limited theaters right now, mm-hmm. called Baby Ruby. And Rachel Willis's full review is up now at MadWolf.com. <laughs> all right, so yeah, a more limited number of titles this week, but uh, that'll send us to the lobby. Let's
1: all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.
0: Taking a look back in the lobby, checking in with the Schlocketeer, also known as Daniel Baldwin, with the latest studio headlines. What's shaking this time?
1: Well, first up, uh, it's always good to see smaller films, or at least smaller compared to studio blockbusters, doing well. And uh, the Indian action movie, Pathan, is actually raking in so much money globally that it's looking to be a bigger hit than RRR. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it only got like a five-day—well, it only got a one-week run here in Cedars, but hopefully in the wake of that, they'll push it back out again.
0: Yeah, I hope so.
1: And Infinity Pool was doing really well for Brandon Cronenberg for the size of the release that it got. So Now, everybody,
0: everybody that has seen that is right away talking about the NC-17 cut. Is that going to see the light of day?
1: Uh, according to him, it is. But probably not until it hits uh, Blu-ray. I think that they did the exact same thing with Possessor. Yeah. And then in terms of what people can watch right now, um, Damien Chazelle's Babylon is now available on Premium VOD. And Universal's spoiler alert is currently available to stream on Peacock.
0: Now, Babylon pretty much bombed. I thought it was okay. I haven't seen
1: it yet. Uh I, due to the length, it was it was just playing at weird times yeah. during the holidays, and then it was pretty, it was gone pretty fast after it that.
0: It really was, but yeah, I thought it was it wasn't great, but I thought it was fine.
1: Uh, February sixteenth, we'll see the Shutter premiere of The Witch Part Two, the other one, which is a sequel to the twenty eighteen South Korean sci fi horror action movie, The Witch Part One, the subversion. And if anyone hasn't seen the first one yet, like me, that's okay because it's hitting Shutter at the same time as well. Perfect. Uh, Tom Hanks' latest movie, A Man Called Otto, will hit VOD on February 21st. Lorcan Finnegan's psychological thriller Nocebo premieres on Shudder on February 24th. What's it called? Um, Nocebo. uh, It had a limited theatrical release back in the fall. I think it has Ava Green in it.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, Adam Driver's sci-fi dinosaur action movie, 65, has been moved up a week to March 10th. And on March 22nd, Fathom Events is doing a limited anniversary theatrical re-release of the 2003 Godzilla film, Godzilla Tokyo S.O.S. Uh, I think they did a a re-release of another Godzilla movie back in the fall that did really well for them, so it looks like this might end up being a regular thing.
0: That should make you happy? You're a big Godzilla fan?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, IFC Films has moved up the theatrical release of Paint to April 7th, and that's the indie comedy where Owen Wilson plays a Bob Ross type
0: that's potentially
1: being replaced by a younger painter.
0: Okay, okay.
1: (laughs) And then project announcement. Guillermo del Toro has announced that his next stop-motion animated film uh, will be an adaptation of the 2015 fantasy novel, The Buried Giant. But given the nature of stop motion, we probably won't see that movie before, like, 2027 yeah. or so. It <laughs> yeah. takes some years to uh, to uh, map that stuff out, and then, you know, another year and a half to two years to actually shoot the thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, in the, you know, in the case of what you saw with his Pinocchio, just fantastic results.
1: Oh, yeah, it's worth it. Worth every bit of time it takes to get it. And we'll get more movies from him in the interim. He's uh, oh, yeah. finally shooting his take on Frankenstein this summer. Okay. So we'll have that one next year.
0: We always appreciate it. Check in with Daniel on the socials at The Schlocketeer. Have a great weekend. Hey uh, You too. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Well, we've got a few more led by, they're going to do it again, aren't they? They are. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Also, no bears. That was supposed to be one of the best films best especially international films of last year yeah. i was sort of surprised i didn't see it on the the list of of oscar nominees yeah me too going into it i saw that on a lot of people's best of list but we haven't seen it yet Mm-mm. so we're looking forward to that no bears next week also your place or mine sharper the civil dead seriously red consecration daughter All That Breathes, that is a a nominee, an Oscar nominee for a documentary this year. It is. Mean-spirited. And Woman of the Photographs, which sounds very, a, a movie that sounds very interesting. So all that is next week. In the meantime, what do you think about Knock at the Cabin? Or eighty for Brady, or anything else that we talked about this week. We always love to keep the conversation going. Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. That's at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you on the main website, which is MadWolf.com. So keep in touch if you can. And by the way, thank you to Tyler who uh, we saw on Facebook, he mentioned that we were his favorite film critics. So nice. So appreciate that, Tyler. Thank you very much. So, yeah, always love to hear from you. Keep in touch. Uh, next week, we'll talk about a brand new batch of films. And until then, be well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast.
2: See ya.
1: I do wish we could chat longer, but
2: I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.